You are now listening to the Random Rambles of Jay. Number 10. Colonel, the guards are sitting around playing Halo. We can't have that, Snake. That game is awful. They should be playing a game by Hideo Kojima or Metroid Prime 3. What should I do? You're going to have to kill them all. You could let rip with a rifle, but you'll be better off just headshotting them to save ammo. Got it. Should I frisk any of them before I kill them? No, Snake. We've had too many complaints from you dry-humping the bodies of dead soldiers and fondling their balls. Just kill them for now. Oh, man. No arguing, Snake. Just get to it. Roger. You are currently listening to the Random Rambles of Jay for the week beginning Monday, October the 1st, 2007. This podcast was cracked. You'd already be an addict. These are the random rambles of Jay. Hey, hey, hey there, listeners. How are you? You are listening to the Random Rambles of Jay, the official podcast for that UK gamer who sits on his microphone and talks shit. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into the whole promise I made in podcast number nine about these random rambles coming at you two a month. Okay, so let's just kickstart this podcast with the new segment that I introduced in Random Ramble number 9 which is called In My Life So what has been going on in the life of Jay? Well in Random Ramble number 9 I mentioned to you that something major had happened in my life now I'm thinking about it, it's nothing major at all, but I said I'll tell you, so I'll tell you. I graduated from university. Yes, I am now a Bachelor of Science, which is cool, really cool. It's, it's pretty cool considering that I thought I would fail my third year of uni because I was just so... I was so elusive in my third year. I was never in. There would be periods where I'd be off of uni for like four weeks straight and have very little contact with my tutors and my classmates. And so very early on in my third year, I kind of put it in my head, oh my God, I'm going to fail. I told my manager at my current job, she's got me for another year. 
because I'm going to have to go back and redo the entire year or modules for my final year. And I told my parents I was going back for a fourth year of university. I told my grandmother, I told my friends, I told everyone that I was failing. So to find out in August, to have the letter come through and be told, oh, you've passed, it was really cool. But it was bittersweet where I had put it in my head that I was going to fail. I kind of saw it as buying myself another year so then to find out now actually you've graduated it was kind of like a punch in the back and a kick in the ass out the front door kind of like you're out there now so it's really weird though because I'm currently I actually I currently have a job but it's not a major career job it's not something I could do for years and years on end well I've been working in this job for years but but now I've graduated and my whole academic studies are behind me I need a career job and this job that I'm in well it's a career job but it's not a career job for me and so I've been applying for some jobs haven't been that successful so far I haven't actually been trying that hard to be honest because I'm so not indecisive I'm so unsure of what I want to do my mind just changes daily I'd like to go into something with video games, but I don't know what I would do within the... <laughs> I don't know what I would do within video games. I have absolutely no idea. Originally, when I when I was really young, like 6 to, to about 12, I always wanted to make games. This is before I realised that making games wasn't a profession. It wasn't something you could train to do. It's not something you could apply to be you can't just walk into a game development studio and say I want to be a games producer I want to be the next Shigeru Miyamoto it doesn't work like that you have to have something specific that you want to do whether it's a 3D modeler or a texture artist or an environment modeler and I'm not sure which one of those I'd like to do none of them interest me really I mean some of my classmates and some of my friends always like oh you're such a good drawer I don't think I'm that good a drawer and drawing isn't something I do on a regular basis I think to be a concept artist or a character designer I think you kind of have to draw on a regular basis and I don't the last time I drew a picture of anything was probably more than six months ago for a university project and I only drew those pictures because I had to it it wasn't because I necessarily wanted to drawing is a hobby that I had but I've kind of grown out of it so I don't draw as much now as I used to so I don't think I could be a concept artist or a character designer um I don't think I could be a 3D modeler either because my 3D artwork is pretty whack and but music is something that interests me I wouldn't mind being a video games music composer if I could actually play the piano and I could read and write sheet music I can't play the piano (laughs) and for years and years I've said to myself I'm going to take lessons I'm going to take lessons I'm going to take lessons and up to this day I still haven't arranged a lesson with a piano tutor I've actually got a list I've actually short listed a bunch of them within my area that I live that are kind of walking distance so one of these weeks I will actually call some of them and book a lesson because I really do want to learn how to play the piano because it's so frustrating 
there are times when I have a song in my head and I'll have the complete arrangement, absolutely everything, like the song already exists, but I can't actually get it out and have the song materialise because I'm like, oh my God, I just wish, I just need to be able to play it on the piano just to get it down rough and then fix it. But I can't do that because I can't play the piano and it's annoying. There are some songs that I've created where I've I've kind of had an idea of what I wanted to sound like in my mind and then I've created it and had the song come to fruition and it sounded exactly as it did in my head. But there are very few of those songs that I've done. But funnily enough, those songs are actually my best ones or my favourites. So perhaps being a video games composer kind of guy <laughs> would be an avenue that I'm willing to explore but as I said it's 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 still up in the air it's still up in the air I, I definitely want to have a basic grasp of learning how to play the piano before I pursue that definitely so um but we'll see how that goes I'll just keep looking for jobs and applying until I get something it's going to hit me hard getting a full-time job though I mean the the job I'm in at the moment I kind of do more hours than part-time but a little un- a little less than what's contracted as full-time and at my current job I'm really lucky because I'm actually on a part-time contract but I do pretty much full-time hours so it's cool to have that flexibility because I could always turn around to my manager and say look I want to cut back on my hours and she will do that for me so I'm getting a taste of what it will be like to work full time but I don't think I'm ready it's going to hit me hard it really is going to hit me hard kind of 9 to 5 Monday to Friday one of my friends she always texts me like I hate work I hate doing 9 to 5s because she actually got a job and she hates it she's like I hate doing 9 to 5s every day all the time it really hit her so hard and she's a she's a breaking point she keeps telling me she wants to leave her job (laughs) but one of my other friends who um he didn't go to university he worked he started working about a year after he left college and for those of you who are wondering college uni they're different things in i know in the u.s college and university are the same thing in the uk they're two different things but my friend has been working for about the past two years. Whenever I phone him and I'm like, I'm not ready for full-time work. It's going to hit me so hard. No free time. He's always like, you do adjust to it. And my cousins who work, all my cousins are older than I am. They're always like, you do adjust to it. At first, it's hard, but you do adjust to it and it just becomes your life. So, you know, I trust them. I mean, I, I know what it's going to be like. It's like when you start school or when you start college and you get a new timetable. You look at it and you think, oh, my God, I've got a lesson this early in the morning. I've got a lesson this late at night. But you just adjust to it. And after a few months, it's just nothing. So we will see how that goes. A guy came here before who looked just like you, he said. Look. He 
focuses down at the register on the counter, turns the page and points down to a name. Turns out it's just my brother. We're not twins, but everyone says we look alike. He was probably trying to get himself a Wii too. He's a big time gamer. <laughs> he doesn't even work. He's always bouncing from job to job, but he sure loves his games. So that's that mystery solved. I asked the guy to give me a room. The cheapest one, because I don't plan on staying here long. He asks about my businesses, and I tell him to mind his own. He laughs and throws me the keys. I walk up the stairs. Ugh, I'm so tired. I just want to sleep. I'm walking through the hallway. I remember that the guy at the desk didn't even tell me what my room number was. Guess I better see what room number's on the key. Ah, okay. Right at the end of the hall, it should be. Huh? What's that noise? That sounds like a wee. Who in this dump of a place has a damn wee? There is just this third world style drought when it comes to Wii titles in the UK. To all you US gamers out there, do you know that we still don't have Metroid Prime 3 Corruption? It's terrible. I've already received several Wii mails from game. I'm not sure how it works, but I think in Metroid Prime 3 you can take screenshots of stuff. And I've already received several Wii mails from gamers who have taken a screenshot of the Mission Complete screen and sent them to me. I don't know whether they're doing it because it's a cool feature or because they want to rub my face in it. But US gamers have completed this game already and I still don't have it. It's annoying and it doesn't come out for another four weeks, which is wonderful. So it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. One day I will actually do a random ramble and be able to tell you that I've actually played a game. A new game. The only new game that I've bought, and it's not even a new game, is Streets of Rage 2. When did I buy that? About three weeks ago now, I think it is. Streets of Rage 2 is brilliant. I play it all... Well, I don't play it all the time, but I do play it quite frequently. I usually play Streets of Rage 2, like, say if I'm downloading something and I'm just waiting, I think, oh, I'll put on Streets of Rage 2 for a bit and play it. And it's a great game. It's as brilliant now as it was ten years ago. It's a fantastic game. I had a Mega Drive, but the only game, I think, I had a Mega Drive, but the only two games I actually bought for it were Sonic and Knuckles, which was shit, and Streets of Rage 3, which was shit. All the other games that I had for it, my uncle actually gave me, because he had a Mega Drive and had lots of games. And also, I had quite a few friends who had Mega Drives, and they had all the good games, like Golden Axe and Streets of Rage 2, so I always used to borrow games from them. But Streets of Rage 2 was never a game I actually owned, so there was definitely no reason for me to not go and pick it up. And it's a fantastic game, I love it. As I said, I play it on a regular basis. The only thing that sucks about it though is that you can't play it online. I'm not sure what it is with Nintendo, but they just... Online play shouldn't be so... How can I put it? Every game should have it. Every game should have it. Streets of Rage 2 is available on the Xbox Live Arcade and it supports online play and voice chat. 
it should just be a normal thing with games on the Wii. Let's put out a game, throw in some online multiplayer, yep, voice chat, yep, bang, out the door. It shouldn't be so selective all the time, and that's what sucks. The whole time I'm playing the game, I'm thinking to myself, oh, if only this had voice chat or online co-op, I could phone one of my friends and be like, hook it up, we're going online, we're hitting the streets of rage. But no, I just have to play on my own. It sucks. It really does suck. But still, having said that, I bought the game knowing full well there was no online playing. I bought the game full well knowing there was no online play. And it's still a great game, but you can't help but shake the feeling that you just wish there was online play. Especially when you know there's a version out there that supports it. And the Wii is more than capable of doing it. Even if Streets of Rage 2 had those bastard friend codes, it would have been something. It's really annoying. I hope that Nintendo really do change their stupid let's butcher online gaming policy. If the majority of virtual console games supported online play, I would have a lot more of them. There are certain games on the virtual console where I think to myself, "Mm, I don't really want to buy that. But if it had online play, I'd buy it like that. I'd buy it in a heartbeat. But in terms of gaming, all I've really been doing is looking at stuff on websites. Ooh! Oh! I have to mention Super Mario Galaxy. Have any of you seen the prologue to that game? (laughs) It looks so bad. It looks wicked. Oh, God. It looks the shit. The shit. It looks so good. It is the most epic intro I have ever seen to a Mario game. I'm really shocked. I'm shocked that Nintendo came with the intro. That is so epic. It looks brilliant and it's a definite slap in the face to anybody who says that the Wii isn't capable of delivering graphically because Super Mario Galaxy's intro looks fantastic. If you thought the graphics looked good beforehand, check out this intro. Check out this prologue. It looks brilliant. It looks like an animated film. For those who haven't seen it, and the description again to those who have seen it, basically Mario's wandering around Little Mushroom Kingdom Town to visit his bitch, Peach. Probably baked him another cake. And Bowser comes in in his Super Mario Bros. 3 style battleship and starts shooting cannons, attacking the little toads, freezing some of them with some ice missiles, and Mario's running, weaving in between all the cannon fire. And Bowser summons a UFO, which shoots all these lasers around Peach's castle, and then he plunges all these chains into the, the ground surrounding the castle, and he uproots it. Bowser's done this several times. You'd think that Peach... <laughs> you think that Peach would buy into some new real estate or do something to that, that castle so it can't be uprooted but Bowser's done this before and he's doing it again but he's uprooted Peach's castle and there's this one really cool shot where it's like a bird's eye view and you can see the whole of Peach's castle the whole of the town all the battleships really close to the camera and these mad particle effects it looks brilliant and he uproots Peach's castle and Mario manages to kind of cling to it and he's on the bridge section and then Kamek, the magic Cooper, kind of comes and blasts Mario off the bridge and he flies off into space. Which I'm assuming is how Mario ends up 
in the galaxy on all these different planets. I could be wrong, there's probably more to it than that. But as it stands, the prologue to that game looks fantastic. Nintendo didn't have to prove anything else to me about how fantastic this game is going to be. I was sold on Super Mario Galaxy from the day they announced it. I haven't seen that prologue. I actually went and drew out some money from a cash machine yesterday and I have £30 underneath my pillow in a sock like crack money for when that game comes out. When I saw the prologue, I was ready to go and camp outside game. <laughs> I want Mario Galaxy so bad and I am really pleased that it's releasing close to the North American release. I think there's only a four day difference. I think Japan gets it on November 1st and then America and the UK get it in the second week of November. I think it's the 14th and the... Oh God, I can't remember but I know that there's only a two or four day gap between the North American and the European release and then poor Australia, they get it November 28th I think. So I think that's pretty good. I think Nintendo should do that with all their titles. Regardless of how many days or how many weeks there are between the regional releases. Everywhere is going to be getting Super Mario Galaxy in November, which is fantastic. And it doesn't stop there with the Nintendo goodies. Oh no, because they're Super Smash Bros. Brawl people. That Oh god. <laughs> ah, the game looks so good. The game looks so good. There, a video was released recently which features Snake. The production values for Super Smash Bros. Brawl are off the chart. The budget for that game must be huge. They've got this crazy list of composers working on that game. Every single... I think they've pretty much got every single Japanese video game composer working on this soundtrack. Everyone from Yoko Shimomura to Yuzo Koshiro. Um, oh god, what's the... Nobuo Yuimatsu. Um... Hitoshi Sakimoto they've got absolutely everyone working on this game the budget for this game is just it must be so high the developers of this game must be drinking Dom Perignon and Cristal and walking around in fur coats and snakeskin loafers with panda scarves and peacock feathers in their hats the, the budget's ridiculous the game looks fantastic the only gripe with the game that I have so far well I've got two gripes one is that the soundtrack is not orchestrated the only theme to the game that's orchestrated is the main theme which is the one that goes um god i can't believe i'm going to sing it i could have just played you a clip but i thought i'd sing it for you but you know that theme that plays or played in the main trailer to the game. But none of the other music in the game is orchestrated, which is a real shame. That was definitely one of the striking features, or the defining features about Super Smash Bros. Melee, was that the entire soundtrack, or the majority of it, was orchestrated, and it sounded brilliant. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit peeved that Brawl won't have an orchestrated soundtrack, but with that said, the music all sounds awesome. My second gripe with the game is online play. Now, Nintendo have taken a very, um... They've taken a really odd stance with online gaming. They said, before they launched the Wii, they said, oh, we're going to be embracing online play with the Wii 
we're definitely going to be embracing it it's going to be wonderful but they haven't really embraced it as such and it's really annoying i think if if more games for the wii were online playable i would be buying a lot more of them like if if red steel was online playable i would have bought that if call of duty was online playable i would have bought that if mario kart 64 for the virtual console was online playable i would have bought that and i think that nintendo definitely need to take leaves out of microsoft's book when it comes to online games because i think it's the same thing with the 360 and i think that's why 360 games do sell sometimes you've got certain games that aren't really all that good but the multiplayer and the online play rocks so it makes you so it makes gamers think you know what i'm going to buy this game because i can play it online with my mates and we can voice chat and have a good time on this game and i think that nintendo need to adopt a similar kind of strategy for their games super smash brothers brawl is online playable but it's limited because they butchered the game with these bastard friend codes and there is no voice chat a lot of people have argued oh perhaps the Wii can't handle voice chat yes it can for anyone out there who's played metro prime hunters they'll they know that the game supports voice chat you can't voice chat whilst you're playing the game but you can voice chat whilst you're waiting for matches to start if the ds is capable of voice chat the Wii is more than capable the nintendo wi-fi network is stable is very stable in all the games I've played on it. So I don't see why they couldn't have supported voice chat. I really don't. Even if they had had it, you can only voice chat with people in your friends list. That's fine. But I think it was a really stupid decision not to include it. I really do. And not only that, but you can't... Matches... Right, the way it works is that you've got your friend code, your friend list. All the matches that you have with your friends are ranked. Now, if you have random matches with random people around the world, the matches are not ranked, which is also which is stupid. It's really stupid. In Super Mario, not Super Mario, in Mario Strikers Charged, it's the opposite. Friends games aren't ranked. Random matches are ranked. So it's it's silly. And then on the website when they announced online play, Sakurai, the main developer for the game, said if you're playing someone who's really far away from you in another country or another region there will probably be lag that's pretty much him saying if you play someone in another country there definitely will be lag the jury's out on that one so we'll see how that goes but i just wish nintendo would embrace online gaming i know they're a family company so they're trying to protect the younger gamers but you can't protect younger gamers from everything nintendo need to leave the whole censoring to the parents the parents should be the ones that say no you can't play this game online or disconnect the or disconnect the internet cable late at night so they can't play games when the parent when they go to bed things like that and it's ridiculous also because nintendo are turning around and disabling voice chatting games and disabling the ability to match up and communicate between gamers yet the wii has an internet channel so if a child wants to go and look up some porn he can do that See, see, that's the thing. Nintendo haven't really completely thought about everything. And not only that, but it is so easy to exchange friend codes with someone. All, all a gamer has to do is go online, go in a forum. Can I have your friend code? Yeah, sure. It's one, two, blah, 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 an exchange. And they've got the friend code of someone they don't know and they can communicate with them. So I just wish Nintendo would stop being so rigid and 
just let gamers enjoy games online the way they're supposed to be enjoyed. Super Smash Bros. Brawl has the potential to be one of the most playable and fantastic online games around. And Nintendo had an opportunity to really set the benchmark when it came to online beat-em-ups with this game, but I think they've kind of blown it. But I'll reserve too harsh a judgement until I've played the game myself, or at least until reviews go out. Given how pretty solid Mario Strikers Charged is online, and also Mario Kart DS, I was hoping that Nintendo would push the boat out a little, and really just, I don't know, have a more... I don't know, I'm I'm not quite sure, I was just hoping Nintendo would definitely go a bit further with the online play and stop being so restrictive and kind of stifling us gamers saying you can only play against this person in this country on these stages with these characters, deal with it, it's it's really stupid but um, we'll see how it goes, the online play could be a huge success and be brilliant and I'm sure it will be fun but it would have been nice if Nintendo just gave gamers a little more leeway and allowed for voice chat and didn't straight away say if you play against someone in another country there will be lag so um that's my rant on that either way super smash brothers brawl looks fantastic and i would definitely be buying that game day of release just as soon as nintendo give it a european release date was there a game that you thought you'd like that you decided to buy Then you got her to play it And realised it was shit Let's talk about it Final Fantasy 9 is rubbish There, I said it The Final Fantasy series had pretty much Declined from number 7 Some would argue number 6 And Final Fantasy VIII wasn't the epic adventure a lot of gamers were hoping for, especially after the pinnacle that was number 7, that game was fantastic. To this day, it still is, even even in the midst of Square Enix butchering it with all these spin-offs and that crap Advent Children film which I'm not even going to get started on. And then came Final Fantasy IX, which made me appreciate what or how good a game Final Fantasy VIII was. Final Fantasy IX was crap, it was rubbish. The plot was rubbish, the music was rubbish, the graphics were rubbish, the FMV was good, but that was it. Everything was crap. If you liked Final Fantasy XII, then you may like this game because they are near enough exactly the same, the characters are the same, the setting is the same, the story is the same, tat for tat, which shows off what an original company Square Enix are not. Final Fantasy IX was just a really boring game. It never went anywhere. You could see the plot twists coming a mile off. You play as some guy. I mean, when I saw the main character, from I saw the main character, I knew this game was going to be crap. Some blonde-haired boy with a tail. If you play Final Fantasy XII, imagine Vaughn with a tail. And that's the character to Final Fantasy IX. Boring game. It was rubbish. The characters aren't memorable. There's this princess who just is rubbish, some little girl with a horn on her head, some white guy with red dreadlocks and some frog thing that, oh the game's just rubbish, it's crap, it has to be one of the worst Final Fantasy games I've ever played, it's down there with number 12, 12 was rubbish but 9 was super rubbish to Turbo, it's just such a crap game, the battle system was the same, the battle system was crap, in Final Fantasy 7 you had limit breaks, which 
basically were it was like every time you get hit a gauge, your gauge kind of slowly builds up and when it hits the top and it fills you can do a limit break which is like a really super powerful attack in number eight they brought that system back except you never had a gauge you could only do limit breaks when your health was low final fantasy 9 they bring in this trance system which is pretty much again you have a gauge and when it fills up you go into trance mode now the crap thing about trance mode is that sometimes you would trance at the end of a battle like you kill an enemy and then your character would trance and then it's wasted because you couldn't carry it over to the next battle and you couldn't turn it off you couldn't choose when to trance as soon as the gauge was filled you had to trance and it it was a stupid system and a lot of the characters trances were just crap anyway the game's rubbish crap crap if you thought Final Fantasy 8 was bad 9 is just terrible the game's crap absolutely crap I'm, you know what I'm going to do I'm just going to sit here for another 5 seconds saying it's crap it's crap it's crap it's crap it's rubbish there we go a couple of days ago or a couple of nights ago I bought Sin and Punishment uh, I downloaded it from the Wii Shop channel and it's a really cool game I'm actually stuck on a but well I'm not stuck it's just there's one bit that I just anyway <laughs> recently I bought Sin and Punishment on the Wii Virtual Console and I actually hadn't heard of it before it was one of the last N64 titles to release in Japan it was kind of the swan song for the console and a lot of North American gamers and European gamers were petitioning and blowing up internet boards and forums saying that they wanted Sin and Punishment to get a worldwide release and Nintendo never did give it one so the game is a big deal because it's like <gasps> we finally got it and Nintendo put it up on their Wii Shop channel as part of their Hanabi Festival which is something Nintendo will do every now and again where they'll put games up on the virtual console that weren't released outside of Japan. Sin and Punishment was one of those titles and another major one was Super Mario Bros. 2, the original Super Mario Bros. 2 which we all know as Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels. I think it's a really cool idea because these are kind of like collector's items. I actually didn't buy The Lost Levels. I bought Mario All-Stars and The Lost Levels featured on that game with much better graphics. The game was toted as being quite difficult and hard I thought the game was it wasn't easy but I got through it so I won't be buying that because I've already got it on all stars but Sin and Punishment's a really cool game I haven't actually had the chance to sit down and play it properly but first initial impressions are really good I think it's a great game I'm shocked at how good the graphics are actually no doubt when it was on the 64 it was blurry every N64 game made me think I had cataracts because everything just looked blurry but Sin and Punishment looks really really sharp and the graphics look pretty snazzy even by today's standards it looks really good and it's really fun if you're a fan of retro gaming and you like your games quite probotector arcade-esque definitely definitely pick this up pick this up soon because as soon as the Hanabi festival is over this game will not be available on the Wii Shop channel but a word of warning the game is 200 points more than your regular N64 game which I think is a tad out of order and I could turn around and say well it's a limited edition game and Nintendo are a company and they 
they're a business they want to make money but even I can't defend them bumping up the price so much I think it's a bit out of order but in saying that Sin and Punishment from what I've played is a stellar game I really like it so I kind of think that it's worth 1,200 points I know that sounds really wrong I could end up playing the game more and turn out to hate it but as I said initial impressions of this game are really good so if you haven't downloaded Sin and Punishment be sure to download this game and it's really cool because this goes to show that Nintendo will definitely be releasing games in the future that weren't released outside of Japan I know a lot of fans are really really hoping that Mother 3 will get released or Earthbound Earthbound has such a big cult following and I know Nintendo got a lot of flack for that game not releasing outside of Japan so hopefully we will get that game and it will be cool if Nintendo released unfinished demos of games that they were going to put out but never did that would be really awesome I mean something more along the lines of the Lost Levels you know where Nintendo did a game and they actually chose not to release it in a particular region for whatever reason and it became a collector's item so it definitely bodes well for the future of the Wii Shop channel and it shows that Nintendo are actually embracing digital distribution to a certain extent so I'm happy so that means I've got two virtual console games now yay Ah, oh, if only I had a new Wii game to play, that would be hella nice. Break. Five, four, three, two. On my blog, not that long ago, I recorded, I recorded, I posted a piece on gaming piracy, and um, let me bring up the article now. Basically, the article was about a man who had been charged with, with piracy. He, he apparently had loads, and he had like thousands of copies of pirated games, and he got 90 days in prison for it. Still trying to get the article out. One sec. 
and it kind of got me thinking about the fact that I actually used to buy pirated games and don't you dare judge me or look at me funny because I know some of you listening to this have bought some bootleg games it all started with school and do you know the game that actually made me go and get my PlayStation chipped or modded? It was Metal Gear Solid. At school, everyone in my class, all the boys in my class, they had their PlayStations chipped. And they were talking about this game where you played as this guy called Solid Snake and it was cool and it was brilliant. And I was like, I've heard about this game, but it's not even out yet. And they were like, oh no, I got my PlayStation chipped the other week. So anyway, you know that bit where... And I was thinking, hold up. You got your PlayStation chips? And I was like, yeah. And I felt like there was this crew or this group and I wasn't included. I felt really left out. So I remember going home to my dad being like, I want to get my PlayStation chipped. And no, what am I talking about? One of my friends in my class gave me the number of this guy who uh, chips PlayStations. So um, I was like, dad, there's this guy that can do stuff to playstations to make it play games cheap games (laughs) and he was like okay then so we hopped in the car went to this guy's house and it felt like we was doing some kind of undercover drug scam it was like it was weird because i obviously can't say where this guy lives but i do remember the area we drove up onto this road it was quite late it was it was about six but it was kind of in the middle of winter so it was night time pitch black and we turned onto this road and there was like one street light on if any of you have seen harry potter it looked a lot like privet drive or whatever harry potter's road's called it was like there was just like a cul-de-sac with this one house in the corner and there was one street light on in the whole road it looked so shady and we pulled up outside this guy's house and as soon as he pulled up, I kind of saw him look through the curtain. And then he looked, and then he shut the curtain. And he came to the door. He was like, you right there? And I was like, yeah, we phoned earlier about the PlayStation games. I was like, oh, yeah, come in. And he kind of beckoned us in, and then he kind of poked his head out the door and looked up and down the street again and went in. It felt so shady. But I gave him my PlayStation, and he said, oh, this may take a while. I'll call you when it's done. Because I think my dad took his PlayStation there as well. So we were like, alright then. My dad and I went back home. And then sometime later he called us back. And was like, yeah, it's done. But there were some... <laughs> well, actually, I'll get onto that in a sec. Excuse me, I just burped right into the mic there. Sorry, I just had a carton of eggnog. But anyway. He switched it on. He switched both of our PlayStations on and showed us that, it, that they both still worked. And that we could now play bootlegged games we were in bootleg city people so then he was like would you like any games i was like yeah metal gear solid <laughs> metal gear solid please give me that game now so i got that and then i think my dad got a bunch of different games like i think he got colin mccray i mean my dad wasn't really a hardcore gamer so um this guy was suggesting all these games to my dad and I didn't want to sound rude and say no actually that game's shit that game's shit that game is doo doo and that game is awful 
So he was like, I've got this game and this game. And my dad was like, yeah, I'll take about three or four. And so my dad ended up with these shitty games that he never did play. And that was me with my PlayStation chipped. And even though it was wrong, you have to think that at that time I was... How old must I have been? 14? I think I was 14 at the time. 14 or 15. And so I wasn't working... And I got pocket money, but it was like, I think it was like a tenner or £15 a week. And so, I didn't have the money to keep buying full price games. And the one thing about buying the pirated games is that it it really broadened my palette a little. There were certain games that I bought that were bootlegged that I never would have bought if they were full price. And thanks to bootlegging, I was introduced to Metal Gear Solid. I never would have bought that full price because Metal Gear Solid back then wasn't the kind of game I was into but because I was able to buy it so cheap for like £5 I bought it and now I'm glad I did because I love Metal Gear Solid and I'm a fan now and there were other games like um, Bloody Roar, Silent Silent Hill, Street Fighter Alpha 3 on the Playstation, um, Parasite Eve and what other game was there? Buster Groove. There were loads of bootleg games that I bought. Siphon Filter. And I loved all of them. And so in that sense, I think bootlegging opened new doors for me. Because it meant that I could just go like my guy at school who used to hook me up with the games. He'd be like, oh, I got this game and that game. I'd be like, yeah, 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 just bring them in tomorrow. He'd be like, 20 quid. I'd be like, yeah, tomorrow. And that's what I was like. That's what everyone at school was like. You could buy three to four games for about 20 quid, which was a bargain. Because 20 quid wouldn't even buy you one game if you went into the, sh- into the shops. And it was brilliant. And don't even get me started on the Dreamcast. Oh dear God, that whole console is just, that's just bootleg world. That is bootleg heaven. You didn't even need to mod or chip your Dreamcast to play bootleg games. I have to laugh I have to laugh when I went to college there was a guy there who used to sell bootlegged Dreamcast games now actually no I'm lying I got a Dreamcast when I was still in secondary school someone in my class had lent me a Japanese Dreamcast game and I couldn't play it so he lent me a boot disc and it worked and you kind of had to put in the boot disc and then it would say I'll oh, put in your input game and then you'd have to disc swap which, which was alright it was I mean it was a great solution if you wanted to buy genuine copies of input games which a lot of people did but then it was revealed or when I hit actually when I hit college someone there like a, a classmate of mine was like you don't need a boot disc to play imported copied pirated games I was like are you serious it was like yeah I'll lend you one and he lent me a game I was like okay then let's see if this works and you just put it in and it would just load like any other game you didn't need a boot disc and I was like wow <laughs> and I remember phoning him like that game works he was like I told you I was like can you get this game and that game and this game he was like yeah I'll bring them in tomorrow I was like I'll get the money and that's what it was like that's what it was like at college everyone was buying bootlegged games I've got a drawer full of them I'll open the drawer now 
Let's see what bootleg games I've got here. <laughs> if I if I don't come back with a podcast number eleven, it's because the police have trapped my IP address and they've shut me down or sent me to prison. But let's see. I've got. Well, I didn't realize I had so many bootleg games. Um, Vampire Chronicles, which was like Dark Stalkers three, Vampire Savior. I got Jet Jet Grind Radio, which is actually a that's a genuine American copy of Jet Set Radio there. Bomberman Online, Virtual Cop Two, which is a genuine Japanese copy. Shenmue Two. Do you know how much Shenmue Two cost in the shops? Thirty nine ninety nine. Would you like to know how much I got it for? Ten. Ten pounds for Shenmue Two. I know I've got more than that. Um. Wow, that's actually it. So I wasn't that bad with the bootleg games. Oh no, wait, I got more. Oh no, I have got more, but I put them in genuine cases just in case the police do kick down my door. I can say, look, genuine games, unless they open them and see there's bootleg games in there. I know a couple of others that I've got. I've got Capcom versus SNK two, and a couple of others. For any of you Dreamcast owners who are listening to this podcast and feeling quite disgusted, know that I actually have more genuine Dreamcast games than I do bootlegged. It was just, I was at college, I never had a job then and I was broke. So when someone came up to me telling me they could get me Dreamcast games for £5, I was like, hell yeah, hell yeah, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I was like, give me them games. I used to fade them all the time. It was brilliant. It was so cool. And the really cool thing about the bootleg Dreamcast games is that you can still get a hold of them now. I wonder if I've actually still got that guy's number. But I can't think of any Dreamcast games I want. I pretty much bought all the ones I really wanted. But yeah, so I'm not saying that I condone piracy, he says as he strokes his drawer of bootleg games. But... I think that piracy, because the games are so cheap, it meant that I always had a really cool and quite expansive collection of games for my Dreamcast and my PS, my PS1. And as I said before, it meant that I ended up buying games that I wouldn't have bought full price because I was hesitant. I was like, is this game actually any good? Is it worth all that money? Games that actually weren't worth £40, I actually felt were worth a fiver. So I ended up buying them. So even though I'm not completely condoning piracy, I owe a lot to it. So thank you, bootleg and piracy, for saving me money and broadening my gaming horizons. Everyone in the UK loves chips and the one thing that you'll see a lot of on on the road or on certain corners are chip shops and um, for many families and many people in the UK it's a tradition that like every Friday night what are we having for dinner oh, we'll have some chips go to the chip shop get some fish and chips <laughs> and it's, chips are a big part of the UK um, culture are a big big part um, I, I used growing up I used to love chips but I'm not a big chip fan
Shortly after my dad and I got our PlayStations chipped, we started to notice there were some side effects, such as games not loading, discs not spinning, lasers making lots of noise, and having to load your PlayStation upside down on its side or with a book on top of it to put some pressure onto the disc so that it spins. This really pissed me off. My PlayStation was actually okay to begin with, but my dad's was messed up from the word go. The reason why we didn't notice it when the guy showed us the PlayStation's working when we were at his house was because there were certain games that would load on my dad's PlayStation and certain games that wouldn't. Excuse me, a couple of the games that my dad bought, you could only load you could only load them if you put the PlayStation on its side. Oh, excuse me, I just dropped something. You could only load the games if the PlayStation was on its side or if it was upside down, which was crap. But, you know, we can't, we kind of, we couldn't really go to the guy and be like, you broke our PlayStations because we knew we were taking a risk when we took our PlayStations there anyway. And a couple of my friends had already told me that their PSs had suffered similar side effects. But me, I kind of looked at it as though dodgy PlayStation that loads funny, cheap games. Metal Gear Solid cheap. Hmm. Oh, what the heck? And I so I just I just went with it, and so that's that's what happened. My PlayStation wasn't that bad, but it did hit a point where certain games just would refuse to load, and it got to the point where I had to load the game with two discs on top and blue tack on the little thing that you put the disc on, the little um, the thing that goes through the hole to hold the disc in place. I had to put blue tack on that, so. It would hold the discs down and so they'd spin because what would happen was sometimes the disc would just stop spinning and for some odd reason it would continue to spin the disc if there were two discs on top of it and blue tack so that that was really odd but then my playstation really messed up when i was playing buster groove i think a couple of my friends had come around and they they were they secretly wanted to play the game so i put the game on and the game had got stuck on the little bit that holds the disc that goes through the hole and I was like the disc won't come off and I pulled it off and the middle part that that I said holds the disc down or keeps the disc in place it broke apart it actually shattered into several pieces a couple of them flew in directions and in places where I could retrieve them some of them slid into the console which wasn't good because it meant every time I'd rattle my PlayStation, I could hear them shaking around and I couldn't get them out. So my PlayStation really had had it. But funnily enough, if I'd put in a genuine copy of a game, a real copy, it would load fine. But bootleg games, it was always a bit funny. So um, as I said before, it was a risk getting my PlayStation chipped in the first place. So I kind of had to... You, you reap what you sow, really. It was illegal to do it. I knew that my PlayStation was going to suffer some side effects, and so I had to kind of incur the wrath of that. But it was good while it lasted, and it saved me money, which is always a perk. And I didn't go to prison for it, though I may do now this podcast is out. (laughs) So that's all for podcast number 10, The Random Rambles of J number 10. A bit of a milestone, because this is my 10th podcast. I've been podcasting for a year now, so that kind of averages at one podcast a month, which isn't too bad. But as I said 
at the beginning of this podcast I'm not going to make a promise to bring you the next one sooner so um, hopefully you'll be surprised and just see oh number 11's out so just keep your eyes peeled be sure to subscribe to my feed I'm available on iTunes <laughs> I kid you not if you go if you open up iTunes and type in the random rambles of Jay I should come up and until next time take care happy gaming and I will catch you soon bye bye